Hello and welcome to Trends and Tings, where our real chats are on what's buzzing. On this installment of Real Chats, we are joined by the delightful Kat Dopper, who is the creative director and founder of Heaps Gay. She's joining us to talk about building inclusive communities and what that means in the context of the seven-year history of Heaps Gay. But before we dig in, let me tell you a little bit about Kat. Other than Heaps Gay, she's worked with brands such as Sydney Mardi Gras, Junkie Media, she's freelance for FBI Radio, Red Bull, and worked with Splendid in the Grass. In terms of some of her hobbies, she loves collecting junk or vintage homewares, trinkets, you name it. A little bit of a fiend for some Negronis and dancing with mates on the dance floor. Something you may not know about Kat, though, is that she's a qualified tap teacher. She used to cheerlead for the Bulldogs and West Tigers in the NRL. She used to be a bridge climb leader on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And apparently the caterpillar, which some of you may know as the worm, is her party trick. So as you can tell, Kat is bubbling with personality and is a great addition for our real chats. Let's dig in. Next episode, we are joined by the lovely Kat Dopper, who will give us a little bit of an insight on everything heaps gay, inclusive communities, and I guess what does a world of code look like for a events and inclusive space? So Kat, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, how are you today? What's life going on for you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, life during COVID, that's such oh, wow. an interesting <laughs> question. Some did, I, The way I've sort of been explaining it is some days I've got a foot in mm-hmm. and some days I've got a foot out of life, you know, because I work in the um, events and art industry, uh, which is kind of, you know, a, not as busy as it was uh, pre-COVID, um, for lack of better words. Um, and so, you know, some days I'm feeling really motivated and some other days I'm just like... I might just watch The Bachelor today. Yeah, is today a foot um, in sort of day or foot out? Today's a foot in day Ooh, um, yeah. because I've got a really fun party that I will um, that I've been working on, but it'll be in the past when this goes live. So <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> Sorry. And for those of you who sort of people who are listening, maybe haven't heard of Heaps Gay and what you're up to, give us a bit of a brief, quick intro on, on what you do and sort of your background as well. Yeah, cool. Um, so Heaps Gay started uh, seven years ago. It's so cra- crazy, crazy to say seven years. Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> um, in so it was back in 2013 um, in a shitty old man pub called the Gladstone Hotel oh, uh, in Redfern. That's mm. a beautiful shitty old pub. Such a good old pub. It had like doors, um, toilet doors that were kind mm. of tough, like you could see <laughs> over and under. It's kind of creepy. Um, but I started that when um, I had just come out. So I was living in London for a couple of years, and I was actually quite. Um, late in terms of finding out who I was um, in terms of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's like 25. Um, and then I, I kind of found that when I was in London and I was like really loving the scene over there, which is really beautiful. Um, I, there's lots of amazing venues and parties and things. And so when I came back to Sydney, I was ready to kind of hit the ground running and meet a babe. Um, <laughs> and literally that's like literally the reason pretty much why Heaps Gay started. Um, and um, I found the scene, there wasn't really anything that I kind of aligned with you know, um, back in 2013, Oxford Street was a thriving strip for mm. the gay scene. Um, and there was a couple of kind of lesbian identifying sort of parties, but not really any sort of young queer sort of events that I found comfy with. Um, and also specifically, I had a lot of straight friends um, mm. and they didn't feel comfy either. So we were literally sitting around a barbecue um, and they're like, just do a party, cat. Just have your own. <laughs> just throw your own party. And yeah. we were joking with names and um, we're like, oh, let's just call it Heaps Gay. And, and, we, were, <laughs> and we all just laughed and said, oh, no way. Um, but really it kind of worked because then we thought about, um, like I grew up in um, regional Australia and mm-hmm. – 
the saying, that's so gay, is quite derogative, mm. you know, back in the day. And so it was sort of a reclaiming of that, that for our community um, at the time as well. So it kind of worked and we did the first party and was busy and the rest is history. Awesome. Yeah. And look, we'll definitely want to unpack more of that story and kind of, you know, where you are now in a 2020 space. Uh, but one thing we also want to ask you about, considering you're so across the event and sort of, um, I guess, like pop culture space and well, um, a regular segment we have on a, our podcast is a mad ting. So something that you may have come across that you've really enjoyed or um, something that maybe has happened to you that's been quite a positive thing. Is there anything that's happened that you've kind of want to touch on? Um, personally, it can be it can, it be, can be anything. That has so you could have witnessed a really mad thing. It's just like yeah. it just stands out to you as wow, that's yeah. like an ex- excellent thing that's happened. Okay, in the media, or you mean just like anything? It can be your life. Me- it can like be your media. Anything. It can, the, the, open the can of worms here. Okay, and you have well, agency I got a puppy. Oh, so I feel oh, yes. like that was such a that's special thing for me. Hundred like percent. My partner and I um, got a dog called. Um, we called her Winona. Um, a mini schnauzer and um, <laughs> we took a day to try and work out her Instagram tag and <laughs> her joking Instagram tag and we were um, tossing up between the bearded bitch um, or wino forever or Winona Sharona and we had a very good time. But uh-huh. um, So she's lovely. really lovely, six-month-old um, little dog and she's keeping us sane during this time. It's amazing how like animals and creatures and even plants like have, are keeping people giving some sense of home and, you know, another just something else when you're, whether it's working from home or just being stuck in your house at the moment. So I'm sure the the dog, have you, did you settle on a name in the end? Did you? Winona, yeah. Did you, well, what was the Instagram? What did you, um, what did you go with on Instagram? Wino Forever. Wino like Forever. Like her mum's like. Uh-huh. I see. I see. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes, it's good. But yes, I agree. It's like, it's either been plants, puppies, puzzles mm-hmm. and wine. Essentially, that's got people. It's a hot combo, to be honest. Yeah, um, the ISO times. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, before we do get stuck into some of the questions, Kat, to wrap up our sort of segments that we ask all our guests is another regular segment like Mad Tink or what we're vibing. So often it's music, podcasts, entertainment, anything under the sun that you've been really into at the moment. Do you have any hot suggestions, hot tips for what you're really into at the moment? Um, well, Dua Lipa's new album, Club mm. Future Nostalgia, is amazing. Um, it's mixed by the Blessed Madonna in it. And it features yes. lots of incredible um, queer and not queer producers. Um, lots of banging tracks on there. Mm. And there's, you know, got Gwen Stefani and Missy Elliott and all sorts of stuff. And that's why I'm into that. Mm-hmm. I think I know every song and every lyric now. Beautiful. Um, that's sort of a challenge. We can- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm reading a book at the moment called The Cult by mm-hmm. um, Tim Duggan. And he was the... Um, um, oh, one of the junkie, founders yep. of um, Junkie Media. And it's how to basically create a business that everybody admires. Mm-hmm. And I, like, tend to be somebody who can't sit still. And so while COVID has been a time of, um, uh, you know, highs and lows, yep. I'm trying to take make the most of um, this time and really think about what's next for me and for, me, for Heaps Gay. And this book is amazing and really helping me do that too. Awesome. Connecting to community is actually what the book's all about. Awesome. Well, definitely in the show notes, we'll chuck all of Kat's suggestions. But, Scotty, I think we can crack on yeah. into this episode. Today. And I think you've definitely given us a little bit of insight into um, sort of the heapscape journey. And seven years in itself is quite an impressive feat. The thing I'm curious about and uh, want to maybe ask you about is um, along the way, you've kind of dealt with lockout laws, for example, and you've dealt with changing perspectives of the queer community. How have I guess you personally maintain energy behind the project, kind of going through these sort of different hurdles that you've had to 
face? Yeah. So um, I guess the biggest thing for me is um, the energy is around kind of constantly staying relevant mm-hmm. um, and, and keeping in community engaged. Um, so it's obviously the party was monthly for a very long time mm. um, and at its time, it was in, like when it was monthly in those old school pubs, um, it was amazing. Um, and obviously the scene has changed a lot since mm. 2013. So, you know, as I said back then, there wasn't many queer parties when, and, you know, sort of no labels essentially, mm. all inclusive, anybody welcome. It's about self-expression and love and dancing um, rather mm. than anything else. Um, and now today, I think that the queer scene feeds Sydney's nightlife and culture more than ever before. Um, and that's obviously come with a lot of things such as marriage equality and we fight for more, as we fight for more um, equality, we're seeing that, um, you know, it's less about labels, it's less about mm-hmm. um, a particular party or whatever, it's more about just going out and going dancing. And so, yeah, so relevancy is hard, like constantly trying to be um, creative and keep engage, keep community engaged is, is one thing. Um, but I think that the um, Heaps Gay has sort of started to evolve and change based on what I like and my passion. <laughs> and I'm really grateful for that, actually, because I think that if you run a business or own a business, it should be about passion because when it's not about passion, then, you know, it's what is grind. it about, right? Yeah. And, like, I never really started Heaps Gay to create a business and I still today don't really – I'm like, what? Um, and so um, I've seen the the brand and the organi- – and, like, Heaps Gay kind of evolve into what I really love. And so now it's really about activating non-traditional spaces in the city or, you know, how can we collab with really incredible um, young queer curators, for example, mm-hmm. or is it more about – you know, artistic expression and exhibitions, for example. So I don't know what's next, but I'm really grateful that everybody's going to kind of come on this journey. Amazing. And with and with that, with you mentioned sort of, you know, building this up and, and you mentioned a bit in, in the introduction about how it all started and stuff. With When it comes to running your events, and obviously it's been, you know, in the seven years, creating the safe space for, for the queer community, how have you found that when it comes to dealing with the trolls and dealing with the, you know, people who maybe aren't as on board with, you know, what you're doing? Because I guess we've evolved as a society, the yes vote, things like that help, but there's always going to be, I mean, even on the back of the yes vote, I think we saw in like the mountains, for example, massive no vote. Mm. So how do you deal with not just the trolls, but people who are still very much anti the movement that you sort of created? Yes. So that's a really tricky one, actually. And what's even made that harder is the lockouts. So we mm-hmm. had lockouts and how many um, live music venues did we lose? I think like 180 or something in like six like years. Like too many. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happened with that? is all of our queer spaces that we used to kind of hold as a safe space. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of those disappeared along Oxford Street. And so a lot of um, promoters are all sort of sharing the same venues and it's not necessarily queer. Um, For example, um, you know, like there's the Imperial Hotel, um, there's the Universal, for example. Mm -hmm. And so what comes with these spaces is um, audiences that kind of attend not knowing exactly what they're attending. And so it is very, very hard to navigate. Um, And so for me, I don't that was a key learning for me um, probably towards the beginning of last year maybe the year before that was um, it's really about space so it's really not so it's about creating a space for people to come together and feel safe yes and to navigate that it's like the the bricks and mortar that it's in it's really important that you know you 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 yeah it's fucking hard it's really hard and so that's why honestly I think um 
the best events that um, that I that we that I do and that Heaps Gay has done have really been around private venues or like um, you know non traditional space in mm-hmm. our street party, for example. You know warehouse parties where it's. Um, you're, it's queers claiming space and you yep. can feel the energy and the love in the room if it's all the street um, when it's ours and it's our own. And, and I think, I don't know why that is, I think maybe because, you know, as a community or a minority group we've fought for so long and we're like for for our rights to be, mm-hmm. you know, to have to be equal and so we're really grateful for everything. <laughs> I'm speaking on behalf of myself. Here, but, like, <laughs> but um I just think, you know, people are really grateful for the things that you do. And so yeah. Um it is a hard question that I don't have the answer. Yeah. yeah. I hope sure that it's I something you of, like ongoingly work yes. on sort of thing. Yeah. Do you think there's um or have you found that there's potentially the opportunity to um, when you kind of have these events and create these spaces, if people unknowingly come in and not know it's a queer space, it's an opportunity for them to kind of demystify any sort of like ingrained prejudices they have against queer communities, like in, in a way, an opportunity to educate themselves. Have you found that's um, been present at all? I feel like um, the parties are there for people to come together and express themselves no matter who they are. Yeah. Um, and we're, it's really important that we we really play that part um, in the queer scene or within the scene in Sydney of um, like somewhere between political queer dance party mm. and mainstream event. And that's the I, that was the whole point. It was like, you know, we're here for a new young person that wants to come and like kind of dip their toe and find out about themselves and ex- express themselves in a way that they may not have been able to before. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> but no, I, I was going to say something about this. Um, about, oh, so I wonder whether um, there's something around like we could potentially have learnt from like the Black Lives Matter, for example, if mm-hmm. people expect minority groups to educate them all the time. Like, I just think that it's about people learning and educate, like finding out about what they need to find out about, but don't, not necessarily coming into our space to do that. Like it's yeah. not there for homophobic behaviours or, you know, to confront your own behaviours whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and But it's there for people that um, want to come and dance safely and, you know, be themselves and be open and, you know, share the experience with, other, with like-minded people. We do, however, use our social channels mm-hmm. for education and awareness, and that is really important. Um, and we are continuing to do that more and more, especially during COVID. Um, we're doing a lot more digital content mm-hmm. and really trying to think about how we can like raise awareness and educate young people, and specifically outside of cities that yeah. may not have support networks like we do here. Yeah. And we'll definitely touch on the digital element um, a little bit later on. The other thing I was curious about is, um, so again, throughout the seven years, you've done so many activations. You've done, I think, uh, I've seen you guys at Groove in the Move. You've done festival activations. You had road work and all these different sort of um, activities. How do you determine what's worth it in a way. What's so great about being the only person in a business is that you can make decisions really quickly and they can be, and for me, what I do is generally stuff that's really reactive to what's going on right mm-hmm. now. And so um, it's either around like either raising awareness or education or um, it might be around something really amazing within pop culture, for example. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's pretty much how I generally um, decide. Yep. Um, what's really good is like with Heapsgay, um, we we have these really big events that allow us to then be able to kind of work with really smaller communities and mm-hmm. do lots of charity work and kind of, you know, things like that. So um, 
Groovin is like one of our one of my charity kind of um, events that we do. So I yep. do all of that. We don't pay any we don't pay any money. We kind of work together and produce it. Um, and then yeah, so then there's other big events that people pay money to, and then we kind of work it out that way. But it's really around what's gonna um, add value to the community, essentially. Yeah, because I guess you're also there's an element of you enter these spaces and you give platforms to artists who typically don't get the chance to perform in I don't know, you know, five thousand, ten thousand people. So I guess that's how you also build community, right? By just being in these uh, entertainment spaces, so they have a platform to share their craft. A hundred percent, and that's one of the main reasons that we. Well, I love. That's why I love doing heaps gay because it's about providing that platform for artists, art, young artists, to engage and start to build their own audiences to then go on and kind of create. Yeah. you know, performing at festivals or on mm-hmm. the world stage, for example. Um, and, you know, it's so awesome because the art that comes out of the queer scene, if the, if, if the places like, if Heaps Gay and, you know, all of the other queer parties didn't exist, they would not have the opportunity mm. to kind of, you know, work on their craft. And so um, it's really, really important that that exists. Yeah. Mm. And we, I want to go back to your, we, you mentioned your intro at the start and, and seven years of doing Heaps Gay festivals and everything and... In that early stage, you know, you mentioned you're at the party and you came up with the name and stuff. I think now we've seen, you mentioned Black Lives Matter, a lot of people trying to figure out, okay, I want to start a movement to to enforce change or, you know, with a real personal motive behind it, for example. So Scotty and I have talked about racism a lot being, you know, Indian Australians and stuff like that. When you started it, when you, when you had that party and you came out of it, what was the next process? Was it just, all right, let's do a couple of events, see what happens. And was there a tipping point? Was there moments where you said, okay, this is, this was the moment where we got a lot more followers or we got some momentum. How was that early stage of building what is now such a pivotal community in sort of Sydney's nightlife, especially? Yeah. So, um, well, with the first few events, uh, the, the one thing about Heaps Gay is that there was a need in the community mm-hmm. right then and there. It wasn't because I said, let's do a party so that Kat can meet a girlfriend. <laughs> it was about, so it was clear that there was other people in the community that wanted it, this safe space um, as much as I did. Um, and so that's how the momentum kind of built. So I would always say like, well, for me, it was about listening and Heaps Gay um, is really there's a lot of people that feed into it. So it's a community um, Mm. kind of advice and suggestions. And we have lots of, you know, we use our Instagram for lots of different things such as memes and Mm. um, profiling incredible queer people and things like that. And so there's stuff that gets fed into it. And so um, from the beginning, I was always kind of like listening to community and then um, it just sort of had its momentum because, and it got bigger because it was people that were driving it and was invested in it as much as me. Um, So I don't know the answer, (laughs) but I think like um, I have always listened more than I have spoken. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and with all these collabs that you've done, do you have a favourite? Is there one which you're like, oh, the Groove of the Moon was really epic or the warehouse party that we did was awesome? Or was there a couple that, you know, really stick out for you in terms of maybe moments that you just took a step back and said, wow, this is crazy? Or, or is there any favourites that pop in your mind in terms of stuff that you've done? Yeah, there's a couple. Um Outside of like the party stuff, um, which is fun and amazing and mm-hmm. I've seen incredible talent, um, which I makes me happy every day. There's been a few things that I'm really proud of. Um, 
we worked with Trans Pride Australia, which was Trans Sydney Pride back in the day, um, and we got some money from Lush. So we got um, 10K and we um, opened it up and created like a grants program and we got um, about 20 um, trans and gender non-binary artists mm-hmm. to create their own work and we gave them the money to do so and we had this incredible exhibition and open mic night and um, conversation starter um, and talks and um, it was really incredible. And I've seen some of those artists now being, I've seen some of their work in galleries and things like that. So it's like really, that's made me feel really happy and, you know, that it's, that was incredible. Um, um, and then other, there was another one that we did. We worked with Heaps Decent, which mm. is um, a, like it's a charity that mm-hmm. go out and train um, young people um, on music skills to kind of create new musicians out yep. in all sorts of parts of town. Yep. Um, and we worked um, with Elfresh the Night Lion. This is a while ago now, so I'm like having to like... <laughs> you know, we worked with Elfresh the Lion and Okenyo when we did some music yeah. writing workshops mm-hmm. and some incredible artists from Western Sydney. And so that was years ago as well. And so, yeah, this, this, I think it's the community stuff that I like the most. And speaking about the community now, like we've touched a lot on your history and I guess now we're in 2020 and everything's up in the air, right? Yeah, pandemic's really thrown a lot of norms that we've sort of abided by. Um, how are you seeing Heaps Gay's role in the inclusive space to kind of um, come out of the pandemic? Like, What are you hoping to work on that will kind of recreate spaces that now lost, they originally lost from a you know, a lockout law period, now in a lockdown period. How are you hoping to kind of reclaim the spaces that you once created, um, you know, after this pandemic? Yeah, so um, we had bloody lockouts and, like, lifted. <laughs> exactly. We were all like, yes! So close. <laughs> yes, I know, bloody hell. Um, so um, at the moment, um, I'm trying to keep our community engaged with the online work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just um, not look after we got locked down. Um, we launched a TV, um, an online TV show called Loud and Queer TV. Yes. Um, and we did a new episode every Friday night and it was so um, amazing and it's such a good example of collaboration because we had um, an empty creative space in, in Marrickville mm-hmm. and we had a big production company with all this gear that wasn't being used and then there was us. And so we're like, hold on, let's create a TV studio. <laughs> and so we, it's been, it's, that has been such a beautiful experience because we all we all learnt some new skills and all the artists had opportunities to perform and keep engaging with their audience Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of been continuing on um and starting to do a lot more online stuff and then um where we've just started doing some seated events um because obviously with the covid rules at the moment you can't dance you have to be seated and kind of for square metres apart. Yeah. Hopefully that's going to become two square metres and 1.5. But um, <laughs> until we can dance again, it's, it's obviously you work you know, it's another you go, completely yeah. different thing. Um, so at the moment we're doing some lots of different cabaret shows. So we're doing Sydney Kings, um, which is a drag king night um, mm-hmm. once a month. Um, and then Loud and Queer is actually becoming a live show a seated live show um, from next month at Mary's Underground. So it is very, very hard um, because of the capacity and the numbers, but everybody is just so willing to keep working um, to engage and keep community together, um, which is good. And so hopefully, um, you know, we'll come out the other side connected. Mm. But one of the things that interests me a lot actually is like um, I feel like, I don't know if you have been um, watching some online streaming stuff. Yeah. A lot. A Definitely lot. a lot. Yeah. Going on. There's a lot. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. have stream fatigue yet? Because I sort of do. A little bit. Yeah, quite a lot. 
And so, yeah, so same. And so I've been, like, trying to grapple with this, like, multi-form stuff. So what does it look like? Like, how are we actually going to get people back in the public domain? Like, how are we going to activate this city when we're not allowed to activate this city or we're not allowed to stand? Or how are we going to go to festivals? How are we going to see music gigs? And so I've been, like, grappling with, like, what does it look like on this, like, personal, we still get that engagement with each other Mm -hmm. from an artist or from two people that would usually dance together on the dance floor. But then being able to like, you know, translate that online so it's accessible for everybody. And then also how you can then engage with global, like you're on a, we're on a global platform Mm. now, we're on this global stage, which the opportunities are endless. And so I don't know the answer. (laughs) I wish I did, (laughs) but I'm really trying to think about um, how and what I can do to Use all those multi yeah. to keep community. Have any feeling though to maybe what direction you'll go? Like maybe you know occupy a physical space that has streaming capacities, or yeah. have you tried to like where you sort of at in your mind at the moment of trying to marry these things together? Do you have a basic idea of how that might yeah. work? Well, streaming is really expensive, um, yeah, so okay. that's one of the things. Mm. Unless you well w- with the loud and queer TV stuff, that's like four G and it's really like high quality. Yeah. Um. It, but it is if there's no revenue, like it's just yeah. not really sustainable because you can't sell tickets. And so you, with the ticket sales, you can have seated and it's max sixty people, and so mm-hmm. you're doing two sittings. So you're getting a little bit of money, but like I want that to pay artists. And yeah. it Always has and it always will pay artists first and foremost. So I think. Um, in terms of the streaming stuff, um, yeah, it's hard. Um, I think one of the things for me um, in this break is mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of brands. So I've had a bunch of brands kind of reaching out to kind of work with me yeah. and heaps gay. Um, and so what I've been trying to do is like leverage those relationships and trying to get brands to think about partnering with like the queer scene outside Mm. of doing a party and so it's like all right how can we work together to make change for community during this time of COVID or what can we do and so when we've got it's it's funding it's that if we had funding and if more brands hello all the brands out there if you want to give us all your dollars thank you very much um if they we can really do some good stuff but um there's limits there's limits with um without it yeah and it it makes it a really challenging time right with awesome so many restrictions and I, I mean you're obviously quite a creative person Kat and I think one thing I've always lived by is liking to think that I'm somewhat creative is you know when you have boundaries sometimes it's good right because then you're forced to, to think differently like you're mentioning and stuff we've got a lot of restrictions at yeah. the moment a lot of boundaries when it comes to you know building these ex- inclusive communities because really essentially all communities should be in- inclusive yeah. of some sort totally roadblocks outside of COVID right we, we, if we put that to side for one second what have, what have you faced in terms of the biggest things that have maybe given you a bit of a challenge as heaps gay? Is there anything that's popped up? Because when you mentioned, you know, you, you faced some challenges with, you know, COVID, I was thinking, okay, what what else has come up really for you over the seven-year period that's sort of maybe not necessarily hit you down, but just gone, okay, how do, how the fuck do we get over this? How do we, how do we you know, grapple with this? Has there been anything or any small roadblocks or big roadblocks that have, you know, really challenged you guys at heaps gay or mm-hmm. with your movement in, in creating this inclusive community? One of the things for me personally that I was really upset and offended by, um, and I think it's a good thing to talk about actually, yep. was um, some of my I, I, a friend of mine said that they didn't think Heapsgay was queer anymore, mm. and so it was an interesting one because I was like, "What is queer? Mm. What do you even mean?" And they come from a place of like a queer, they they they're on that like they come from this place where 
you're you have an event and you're making a statement and you you need to fight the patriarchy mm-hmm. that. and that's one extremity and it's like I'm talking like um you know like um it's kind of a form of protest and like what we do is a form of protest anyway, but like, and there's lots of different ways or things that might happen within that space, for example. And so, but because we are open and free and accessible to everybody, um, my friend said, you're not, you're not queer anymore. Like you're not a Mm. queer party because you don't, you don't push back and you don't fight. And it's like, and, but I was like, that was kind of, yeah, that was a really tricky thing for me to mm, navigate. Totally. Um, and for me, um, my answer to that is um, we like, and I curate queer talent and queer um, artists for every event that we work on yeah. um, and collaborate with young queer collaborators, like collaborate and book and young queer um collaborators that come from different subcultures that might be outside of my circle Mm -hmm. and really kind of dive deep into what is the needs of the queer community. Um, And every single event is different that we do as well. So, yeah. But that was one thing that was hard. And um, Mm -hmm. I think maybe because it came from a friend as well. Oh, it's personal. Um, It hurts a lot more from a friend, right? Yeah, totally. they get you in a way and then you don't expect something like that. I know. know, But all my other friends are like, what the... Shut up. <laughs> talking about? It's just one friend. One friend yeah. wants to push your button. Yeah. But and it's kind of like, you know, I go to lots of different parties as well. And I think that the thing is, um, I go to different parties now that I would never have known when I came out. Yeah. And so all of these places, these spaces have their own communities and they, like, they play a role in this bigger mm. yeah. picture. Because I think I remember quite recently a similar sort of thing has been said about Mardi Gras, right? Where like yes. Mardi Gras is probably uh, one of the one of the bigger public facing events for the queer community, but you know, any any schmuck can turn up and so there's a <laughs> bit of a balance of is it still for the community or is it, you know, for brands to make money and stuff like yeah. that. But I always think about that that change has very different forms, you know, like you definitely have your hardline people who all protest all the time and, you know, like really stick it to the politicians. And then there's more like subtle, long-term progressive sort of change that you might want to massage. So with Heapscape, I know you're definitely in this space of like events, but are you sort of thinking of branching out at some stage, maybe dipping your toes in other things that Heapscape might have a presence in? Yeah. So, um, I, I'm working on a bunch of things at the moment, actually. Um, Hot scoop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it would be kind of to leverage what I've done with Heaps Gay. um, Right. And, but to make it for a greater good, essentially. So um, I can't really tell you. It's just like all stuff that I'm working on. What's really good about it is COVID. um, I'm, I've had a chance to really step back and Mm. think about what I want. Like, and if we didn't, have a break I probably mm-hmm. would be you know trying to book a DJ and try and work out what's next to make sure I ran a business and you know and all the things that come with running a business but yeah it's been so there's obviously like there's good it's COVID's COVID um and we all know that but um I think the other thing around COVID as well is like I know a lot of musicians and artists that are getting paid a wage at the moment which would mm. never get paid a wage so they're all working on what they're creating mm. and they're getting paid to create, you know, they're on job, job seeker or job keeper yeah. and the same, I'm on job keeper. So mm. it's like, hold on, you know, you know, what can I do? How can I make change? What's my next strategy? And that's like, you know, I just finished at Mardi Gras. I was the creative director of Mardi Gras for last season. Um, and I'm not going back because I'm um, obviously COVID is, um, mm. challenging. 
COVID's COVID. Yes. Um, creative's the first thing. It's the first thing to go. Content and creative, like cut Goodbye. it from the yeah. cut it from the budget. Don't need it. Bloody no creatives here. Um, so, um, but what's really good about that is I'm leveraging everything to be able to kind of hopefully make some really good change in 2021. Yeah. And actually, the the good thing you sort of touched on, and I might want to ask you about, is um, so COVID's asked or sort of forced you to take a bit of a break and look at what's going on around you. Have you also maybe observed what's going on in the community itself, and you know the general sentiment of how people are feeling about COVID, and maybe that's also inspired some of your heapscape decisions to have more streamed events or. Have you found that there's a growing need for something in the community that you've just got this urge now that you need to address? Yeah, I think, um, you know, our government keeps banging on about the physical distancing, but what about Mm -hmm. our mental health? Like it's so, and you said it, you know, you've obviously done a lot of mm. um, of the episodes on mental health, but particularly in the queer community, yeah. like I know a lot of people that live by themselves and they, they're like isolated. They come down to parties to, you know, see their chosen family mm. and get mm-hmm. cuddles on the dance floor and have that support network that they might not have otherwise. And that's all gone now. Like, yeah. gone. So, um, you know, it is, that's definitely prevalent and it's... um. Yeah, we have to just keep kind of plodding along and doing the digital stuff. And mm-hmm. there's some really good, um, you know, more intimate seated events popping up, as I mentioned. And so um, we'll just have to keep kind of working through it. Mm. When it comes to, Scotty mentioned community, obviously he's gay's business, but... You know, for me, having you know, grown up in Sydney myself, it's felt very much like a community, right? Like there's a community spirit or soul, right? So you obviously require, you know, you, you mentioned collaborating or you have probably team people who might, who might help you out with events. How have you found that sort of like, not separation, but managing it both as a, as a, as a business and someone who can, you know, invoice people, mm-hmm. but also as a community, which is, you know, very much providing that dance floor, like you said, for people to come to? Because I imagine you have maybe, you, you, do you have staff, volunteers? Is all this all of one maybe potentially in the one sort of thing how do you manage that in terms of making sure it doesn't lose that you know we've built up this community feel we don't want it to become too corporate or too businessy how have you juggled that relationship because I know it can be tricky for, for some brands and stuff they start as, as a community and they become too corporate so totally, how have you managed that totally it's because I work on it 24-7. So, um, you know, it goes through my lens of give a... I've got this thing that <laughs> Tim Duggan taught me, actually. It's like the give a fuck a meter. And it's like, what's the... It's, it's like out of 10, it's like, how, much how is this affecting fuck? community? You yeah. know, how? why are people going to give a shit about it? And um, I, like, I basically... Um, I'm, I'm the only person full-time at mm-hmm. Hipsgate. Um, and I had um, somebody before COVID that worked a couple of days a week with me for the last four years. Um, but he finished during Mardi Gras because he wanted to go on and do his own stuff before yeah. COVID. <laughs> Sam, Ecot, you're a legend. We miss you. Um, and so, but then I obviously um, kind of depends on the project. I hire great people to create career work. So um, it's definitely around like me just being 100% involved in the business. And I think that that's the thing. It's like, I don't think Heapsgate is going to grow any bigger because I think mm-hmm. it would lose its soul and its community and its love. And that's why um, thinking about what's next for Heapsgate yeah. is that maybe it might not be called Heapsgate, you know, or maybe it's something else. Right. And yet, okay. so it's really thinking about Heapsgate. Sh- I don't think that it should change. Yeah. Because I think it really will lose its. So you're looking at like an evolution of the of the yeah. movement in yeah, a way, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and what? That's why I actually took the role at Mardi Gras because I really thought 
I was on the board for Mardi Gras for four years um, and then I was a creative director for last year and I really yeah. honestly thought that, like, okay, I can make serious change because this is an organisation that reaches... Heaps of people. So yeah, many. Yeah, yeah, so many. <laughs> um, but what I found in that organisation is that what comes with organisations is many people that work at them, yeah. many kind of people that have to sign things off, and mm. it's like a wheel that spins slower than your nan on a <laughs> Sunday down to the store. But within Heapsgay, I can be so reactive and I can make change and I can do it quickly and I can do it without even thinking. And, like, one of the examples, actually, and this is to go back to your question about what I'm really proud of. Mm. I forgot about this. <laughs> and this was with a few other people. Um, the Yes campaign yeah. is obviously a very shit time. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, like, fuck, what can I do? And I felt just like I was preaching to the converted. I was like, okay. Obviously, I'm saying vote, sign up to vote. Everyone here signed up to vote. Yeah. So um, I called up a friend and um, I said, you need to give me like 5K, like somebody that I know had a bit of money. I was like, give me $5,000 and trust me, I feel like we're going to make change. So she did and we, um, I got a, a, a queer, a couple of, a team of queer people who to design, create a website and we basically launched Enroll for a Quality Weekender and we called up every single pub and venue we know and we had like over 300 pubs and venues in Sydney and Melbourne on that right. weekend, have posters everywhere and they all became enrolling, um, enrolling voting places. Yep. Oh, yeah, yep, 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 yep. and it went viral and like it got all over, like it, it was so good and because all the people that needed us to do was just like log on, download all the assets for their venue yeah. and we did it within five days and it was live Amazing. and it was like, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that made some difference, you know, and so um, it was really reactive. I didn't need to get sign off from anybody. I could just like, Heapscape can do whatever it wants and that's what... Um, I can't even remember what we're talking about, but yeah. No, it, it makes sense, right? Because that was a, I mean, you mentioned obviously something that's something you're proud of. Yeah. But I think as well, you know, as you know, myself, someone who runs a small business as well, often we think that it's not possible, right? I don't know if that's the same for you, but you know, oh, I can't, oh God, no, I can't call up all these pubs. They're going to say no, they don't have time for me. Mm. But I don't know if that, if you found that the same with Heapscape being like, you know, the driving force behind it, you know, just picking up the phone or sending the email that you thought was never possible, you know, sort of the whole mantra, if you never asked, the answer's always no and stuff. Yeah. How have you found that in terms of, you know, building community, doing the emails and the, the hard graft that maybe no one sees, yep. but often gets you some of the results and stuff yep. that actually do great things for you? Yep, definitely. I, was that a question? I mean, a bit of both. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Maybe just me <laughs> no, ranting. <laughs> no, I think um, you always always say yes is like my mantra. Yeah. Is that a mantra? Is the right word? Yeah. Yeah, I always say yes and I just, sometimes it's just like a little like flick of an email or a call to say, hey, like remember that time that I had a baby with you or, you know, we bumped shoulders on the dance floor. Yeah. That amazing venue you have or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just always just kind of taking life by its... No, not balls, but nether regions. You know? yeah. I was like, it's not very. It's very <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, and just going for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the what I liked about the sentiment of what you kind of said is um, you had an idea, you asked, and you kind of made something happen. Do you think that uh, if other people uh, maybe want to be a part of the like make their own inclusive space or maybe join onto a movement, do you think their advice really is to just do it as opposed to just like, you know, you can try and plan, right? Because I think 
I'm so between Gordon and I, I think Gordon's like the go getter sort of thing, and I'll just sit and I'll plan and then I'll plan, and then it's been six months and I've planned something, but <laughs> I haven't even begun any action. Do don't think, plan. Don't My plan. motto, like, yeah, because this is, I'm finding this now with like in this break I'm like okay this is an idea and this is a business idea and this is a business idea and then my really like logical partners like who's an academic is like okay you need a business plan and you need this and I'm like no I don't I just I need like the sound of your partner. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to put up a post and a website and say this is what I'm doing if you want to do it let's do it because yeah. and because I was like that's I honestly think that heaps gay came from a passion and that's it it just came from something that was a need at the time and um, you shouldn't, I don't know, I don't think you should sit around and plan. I think, but like, it's all about also seeing a gap in the market, not a gap in the yeah. businessy, yeah. but like really think about what's relevant and what, why, you know, the give a fuck a meter is such a good thing. <laughs> so then, okay. What tools do you think someone needs if they want to like make their own space or like make Start a move, movement, or something, make yeah. a movement? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. The great thing about technology is you could make a website in two seconds. But what what else do you sort of need if you I, want to get started? You should, you can write an impact statement. An impact Ooh. statement. Who, Tell us about this. And who's your? Well, I've been reading Tim Duggan's book. I told you about this. <laughs> at the beginning. So you need an impact statement, and you need to know who your audience is and what it what it's for. Okay. So who is it mm. you're talking to, and why and how is this going to make a difference? I think that's it. That's the. I think if best. you know those really really clear, when you start to steer off course, you can come back to it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's it's problem solving, really, isn't it? Yeah. Honestly, you mentioned at the start of the potty, like that you felt there was the need, right, with within the community and your friends and stuff. So I yeah. think it's a lot of the time is that you mentioned yeah, identifying a- that problem and then mm-hmm. acting on it. W- what about when you go beyond that? You've got, you know, there's a bit of a need for it and a bit of a demand. Yeah. I feel like sometimes maybe often that early stage of doing a community, running a, you know, building an inclusive community yep. can be the tough part, right? When you start to build some momentum, then you're on board and you're ready to go. Yep. What about that stage? When you got the, you know, that there's a demand and you need to really start doing the graft or trying to figure out how you promote things, you might not have any money or very little. How do you, what's the next step after that? Well, I think the way to build inclusive communities is to talk to community around you. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, community, mm-hmm. I know it sounds naff, but community <laughs> consultation, yeah. for lack of, like, consultation, it sounds very, like, you know, it sounds like what Brooklyn, my partner, would say. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, conversations, because if, you, if you're going to take people on a journey, they've got to be, they've got to have bought in it and come with you on it. So, yeah. um, and I know that's what happened with Heaps Gay. So, one year in, we were doing events once a month at the Gladstone and a bloody packed like full full and I was mm-hmm. just having a sweet time um, but then stuff sort of started to come to me and like and what I've said no to has kind of benefited me I think in the long run but, but it was about like talking to people around and it's like what do you think about this how would you feel about this if we put this brand on this logo no 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 you know mm-hmm. so and so it's just like they're going to be community will always be really honest yeah. so I think that is yeah they're right there and they're free mm. and they're friends so you know get involved <laughs> and um, use them as much as you can I think and I guess it's definitely an element of being okay to say yes to something and it falls through and doesn't become something brilliant, but you've learned a lesson from it. Like definitely. You know, there's yeah. a bit of a res- um, reflective period to say, okay, cool, I tried this thing. It didn't exactly work the way I wanted to, but I've learned this thing. I've got this valuable lesson from it in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And actually, this is going to sound weird, but one bit of advice that I have is like what I found that every time I did something for somebody else, it would come back tenfold, like right. in a way. Like, so we, the very first ever charity event 
that I did was called Totes Gay, mm-hmm. um, and it was a year in to um, a year in, and um, I got a bunch of artists and we, they all um, designed tote bags. Mm-hmm. And we had this art exhibition and we had like 30 totes and we all auctioned it off for charity. And so it was just this thing that I just worked on. Mm-hmm. And I went in and did like an interview at FBI and then I was on FBI. They were like, we need somebody. And then, then that snowballed and then that snowballed. And then so right. I just find that like I was never, ever thinking about, and maybe that's the other thing, I was always... I wasn't really ever thinking about creating a business. I never did, never did, even mm. to like five years ago. <laughs> there, no, not five years ago, five years in, honestly, I was working for other people. I've been working as a freelance producer for a very long mm. time. So I, it wasn't about like creating a business. It was just like what is this community and how can we continue to build it and grow it and how can I give back? It's literally mm-hmm. like what and by giving it comes back tenfold. Yeah. Have you ever found that? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's like the str- that's the strength of your community, right? Because you all have this sort of common goal, whether it is to like build an inclusive space or achieve X thing, because you all have this sort of like commonality. You feel like, okay, this person helped me with this. I want to return the favor. I want to give them back something. Um, and, you know, it's, or sometimes it's, you know, hey, I did a favor for you. Let me, uh, let me cash in on cash this favor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes for it goes three sixty, right? You get the almost like put out the good energy, you get some good energy back type totally. of thing. Yeah. And I mean, look, in terms of like you know maybe wrapping up our conversation, if we broaden our, our look into Australia as a as a place and stuff, we've seen a pretty, I don't say tumultuous, but certainly maybe I don't know what I'm, what's it what what's it called when the airplane shakes. Uh, turbulent. Yeah. turbulent turbulent that's the one mm-hmm. turbulent times of late <laughs> um we had the yes vote but you, as you mentioned it was sort of a, a weird feeling throughout the whole thing i know yeah. you know someone who was you know very much on the yes vote but it didn't feel right it feel feel weird to me yeah. and there have been we've seen the black lives matter movement come to australia you know aboriginal rights and stuff as a as a wider nation sort of community where do you where do you think we've got the most like where how do we like improve as a whole because i think we've got so many movements now starting to come up which is great mm-hmm. but we still see politicians we still see top level you know corporates being sort of the antichrist of what yeah. a lot of the communities want how can we how can we all come together a bit and influence change across a few of these things is there any things yeah, that you've got what thinking can I about? Think about yeah i think um well we can see where the dollars went in terms of like COVID relief. Our mm-hmm. government doesn't care about education and arts and culture one single bit. Yeah, no. So I think like if we didn't think about our sector, like maybe if we didn't necessarily think about like our, well, obviously we didn't just think about our roles, but like how could we work with other sectors to make change, like mm-hmm. potentially, like for a greater good? Um, I'm just trying to think like, one things the thing that pops into my mind is like the nighttime economy. Like, how do we kind of create this twenty-four hour city that makes us safer, that creates more yeah. tourism, that creates mm. more jobs, that creates more arts and culture? Um, but that can only really happen if we kind of all work together in terms of like different sectors. Like, if venues um, were multi-use, like if industrial spaces were used as um, art galleries at mm. night, or um, you know, if builders allowed their workshops for, um, you know, young business people mm. to come in and create work. I don't know. Yeah. Or protesting, for example, like you can't even protest on the streets now. Like could um, an advertising agency work um, to create um, 
I don't know, posters for the next Black Lives Matter process mm. that go yeah. all over the city for nothing? Or, or does OO Media give us all? You know what I mean? I'm yeah, just thinking yeah, yeah. about, like, collaborating and, like, kind of coming together yeah. for that. And I, yeah. No, I do quite like that because um, – so I did a bit of work for the state election when we had the repeal the lockout law uh, sort of campaign and the whole sort of thing was let's rethink how we revitalise space and repurpose things. So, you know, the whole thing about getting rid of lockdown law, lockout law sorry, isn't just so people can go get pissed and get trashed. It's by giving people vibrancy, giving people – um, if you're a night worker, giving you somewhere to go and have some food and engage exactly. with your community. So I think it's, uh, I think the heart of what you're saying is we need to really rethink of the spaces we occupy and yeah. maybe make them multi-purpose because we're all, yeah. we're all smart people, you know, mm. like you know what you want and you know how you can achieve that. But if we just go by the same same rules, like if Sydney post-COVID just goes back to a, like a pre-lockout law um, period, then we're not going to achieve anything. We're not going to, yeah. And, you know, the mistakes that happen that kind of caused the lockout laws to come in place will probably happen again because we're just going to repeat history. Yep. No, definitely. And I know, like, the city of Sydney um, mm-hmm. and both the city of Sydney and the Inner West Council are working really, really hard yes. to make sure that we don't go back to the way they the way it was, for example. Um, one of the th- things the city is doing is trying to make it really, really easy for people to activate space in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we have, there's a lack oh. of space in our city. It's insane. Um, and you think about the, how many people sleep rough, mm. people and what a percentage of LGBT people, mm-hmm. LGBTQIA plus people that do, um, and how many vacant venues the city of Sydney has. It's like, you, you can't even, like, we won't get into mm. saving the world right now, <laughs> but like, bah! Um, but I think yeah, no, I know the city is working hard at trying to kind of really think about yeah. how we um, come out of yeah, COVID yeah. Um, and also the Inner West Council as well. So, um, yeah. Watch the space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think that's a really good way to end, especially on that collaboration. We need to see, we 100% see it, need to see more, mm. I think, collaboration. And mm. you've proven with Heaps Gay, I think that you, you know, you can do some really epic stuff. So, look, we really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on the episode with us today. No worries. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Kat. Take care. <laughs> see ya. And there you have it. And I think that was a really good chat with Kat um, talking about the origins of Heapscay and the fact that at the time there wasn't really a space for members of the queer community to come together and have a dance without fear of judgment. The thing I took away from our chat as well is the fact that if you want to build a community, all you really need to do to start is to find where that gap is and fill it in the best way that suits the needs of your community. It doesn't necessarily need to be a big club night. It just needs to be what best caters to the needs of your community. Um, If you want to stay across everything Heapscay is doing, make sure you check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and their website. Just search for Heapscay. You'll also find their latest video piece, Club Future Nostalgia, on YouTube, which is paired to the beautifully remixed album from Dua Lipa, Club Future Nostalgia. I also want to shout out Aona, the podcast studio we use for our Real Chat series based here in Surrey or Sydney. They can cater to your podcast and all video needs, so make sure you check them out. Search for Aona if that's something that's interesting to you. Um, the last thing I want to do is obviously plug us. So make sure you check us out on Instagram at Trends and Things or find us on Facebook, Trends and Things Podcast Crew. Make sure you also leave us a nice user review wherever you get your podcast from, and we'll catch you next time. Ciao.